This episode of Due North Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Sportsman's Guide. For everything you need to enjoy the fun, freedom, and traditions of the outdoors, you got to check out sportsmansguide.com. From hunting and fishing to camping, hiking, and just hanging around a bonfire in the backyard, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Tree stands, blinds, rods and reels, ATV accessories, and so much more. Clothing and footwear, too, from top-notch brands like Scentlock, Nomad, Mountain Hardware, Irish Setter, Danner, Ah, the list just keeps on going. Plus, a full line of firearms, ammo, and accessories. The bottom line, if it happens outdoors, you'll find it at Sportsman's Guide. Shop today at sportsmansguide.com and use the code DUNORTH for $20 off your first order. That's DUNORTH, all one word, for $20 off your first order. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast. I'm Travis Frank. I am one of your hosts, Natalie Dillon. Sitting right across from me is the other host, Brandon Morton. To my right, Natalie's left. And, and we got Daisy here. And can we, Daisy, can we throw her in? My dog, Daisy. Yes, yes. We, we did a bit of training this morning. Hunting season will be here before you know it. How's she doing? Um, well, she's an old pro at this point. I would say no. She's <laughs> a young pro. Young pro, yes. <laughs> she just turned yes. two, and she's had two hunting seasons under her belt. This is kind of the year when a lot of people say, you know, when they're a two-year-old dog, they're technically an adult now. Okay. So no more. Welcome to adulthood, Yes, yes. So the training wheels are off completely, and um, she gets held accountable for all of those mistakes that uh, cost us all the birds in the field. But it's a big deal because, you know, we host two bird hunting shows too, Mm -hmm. the Flush and Rooster Tails, and... You know, we hunt all over the country and obviously very blessed to be able to do that. But there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I can imagine. There's a lot of pressure. I'm sure she actually feels it, you know? No, she doesn't give a rip. No, No, she doesn't. All she wants to do is hunt. I get all the pressure because there's my dog out there and and she's got to perform. People think like, oh, yeah, he's he's got this well-trained dog. And, you know, I try to make a great team. Yeah, yeah. Um, she is a rock star and she's a sweetheart when we're not hunting. And when we're hunting, she's, you see her and she's just in a completely different brand and it's our, yeah. And she doesn't want anything to do with us. There's no love and affection out there. She's all birds. <laughs> just yeah. straight focus. Straight, straight focus. focus. Yes, yes. She is a hunter. Well, in the course of this podcast today, if I ever go silent, if I'm totally distracted, you know why it's good. Yeah. I'm sitting over here. Making eyes at Daisy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get right to it because we're going to fly through this episode. Um, We are going to do something a little bit different. No pun intended. We might have some. Are you going to fly? There's going to be some flying. Okay. There's going to be some flying. Okay. So uh, Natalie and I thought we're we're still at the, like, we're getting into the heart of summer right now. Uh, A lot of people have made their summer plans and I hope you do. I hope you have. Um, But if you haven't, we want to throw out a bunch of ideas that will be good ideas for fishing destinations for the rest of this summer leading into fall. Um, I think it's fair to dig into some of the places. I came up with 10 places. We both I've had an assignment. Like, you did? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we planned 10. I'll say I have like kind of Nine, but it's almost like 13 because a couple I was of mine say, have I've got a lot. 14. Yeah. I couldn't pick. Yeah. And a lot of them are going to be places that a lot of people have heard. Mm-hmm. A couple of them are going to be some, you know, I don't know if they're secret places necessarily, but places that I've been and I have filmed episodes 
uh, in the past that I can dig into a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, adventures that yeah. are really, Fishing really... Fishing destinations. Yeah, like yeah. put on your bucket list someday and knock it out. Yeah. Um, Some so, of mine, a lot are going to be things people can definitely do, you know, this summer or this year. Mm-hmm. A couple are going to be more of a long-term bucket list. That, well, and so we, I think when you and I discussed this, we thought, let's stick Midwest. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I've been places outside of this. You did? I went rogue. You just cheater. On a couple. No, I cheated on a couple. It. Come on. We can do another so, another show with... Destinations outside of the country because you've been to some pretty cool places. True. Okay. okay, let's not change your list. We'll see how far we we'll get. We'll stick in to this the regional one. ones okay, this time. So Fair. approximately like twenty-eight. <laughs> twenty-eight. Top twenty-eight here. For, Clock is ticking. For, I'll go after. first. Okay. I'll go first and kick this off, and then we'll just go every other. Yeah, and we we'll might start have some with our up, number so. one in case we run out of time. Okay. We are on a time limit today, so um, my. My first place was like a 1A and 1B, but the Boundary Waters in Minnesota. And Natalie, I know you just went up there and that maybe is now on your list because you've been there, but I've been going to the Boundary Waters for about 20 years with a Mm -hmm. group of buddies and we have that gem in this, in this state and people from, when I go to different destinations and, you know, like New Mexico or Nevada or something and I'm, and I'm hunting or fishing with somebody they talk about the boundary waters. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that we don't realize how special it, for it is. We can take it for granted. So when you get up there, um, it's so remote. Mm-hmm. And that's the cool part about it. Uh, and yet so accessible. And that's something. Yes. So I actually just went to the boundary waters this year for the first time. I won't hijack your, no, your hijack, choice too much. Hijack but away, yeah. I've been wanting to go forever. I've done lots of camping. Mm-hmm. But it just for some reason... The actual Boundary Waters hasn't been on my list. And something that stood out to me almost above everything, it exceeded my expectations in so many ways from how remote it was, how beautiful. We had just an amazing time. But I also left saying, really anybody can do this with a little preparation. There's some campsites that are super, you know, accessible, right, from towns or outfitters. And we actually went through an outfitter. And it was really, it it was something that, you know, you want to do your research ahead of time. It's great to go with somebody who's been and everything, yep. but I think that there's probably a lot of people that are more intimidated by it than they need to be. Exactly. There's two different ways. Well, actually, there's a couple ways you can go about it. You can get a day permit to go in. You can get uh, the full permit, which allows you to go in for a longer period of time. With Depending on the permit you get, you can go with up to nine people, which is what I've had several times, a group of buddies and this started back in school and we started going uh, summer and we'd go late spring or early summer, late spring, right, right after Memorial Day. It was mm-hmm. kind of our entry into it. And there's a lot of entry points into the Boundary Waters. There's two options. You can do just a full canoe option. There's also a few lakes that you can get into with uh, motors mm-hmm. up to 25 horsepower and you still get the same experience not quite as remote those tend to have a little bit more people on them either way they're great mm-hmm. um, and and so when we've done it we haven't portaged and portage and portage we set up camp one time yeah we've got kind of our milk have you ever had spots. a canoe over your head before uh you gotta try it at least once yeah so I have not done it that way. We've done the the motor mm-hmm. entry in because that's what my buddies did with their dad, with their dads. And then we built this wheel system on our boats. Mm. So we, 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 the wheels come up on the front and the back, two on the back, one on the front. And then there's a, a pin system that you pull the pin, drop the wheel, and then put the pin back in. And we push it across. 
So we go in heavy. Yeah. People look at us and they're like, oh my gosh, like that's ridiculous how much you're going in. But like, we're cooking steak. Yeah. I mean, we, we do not. We do not mess around. I mean, and some people bring in some beverages more yeah, than they should, yeah. you know, and that weighs a lot. And so we've learned Truly a lot. Truly sounds like a guy's to, trip. It is. It is. We set up camp one time. We yep. portage, I think we do three portages to get where we want to go. We set up camp one time and the fishing is amazing. Smallmouth bass. Well, well, walleye first, smallmouth bass, but there are some lakes then that we portage into, and the pan fishing is amazing. Yeah. Northern Pike is awesome. Lake trout. I was going to say, have you done much lake trout fishing up Not there? Not a lot. Okay. A little bit. Just scratch the surface on it, and that really depends on the water temperatures, the time of the season, where they're at, which mm-hmm. lakes, because it's a massive system. Massive. Yeah. And so there are certain areas and lakes that are... Lake Trout Lakes that you'd want to go to. So when you mentioned the research part of it, that's great. Do that. And reach out to some of the outfitters. There are guides that go in daily. So that gives you the experience. And this is a, this is a place where you can go as a, as a, um, like a church group. Mm-hmm. A lot of church groups go up there. A lot of uh, summer camps. Uh, they do go into the Boundary Waters. Yeah. But I'm waiting and I'm, I'm like ready to pull the pin on grabbing my boys yeah. and going up there and then eventually all my kids. But once they hit kind of that, I mean, they're, they're the perfect age that they'll be open for it, ready for it. And mm-hmm. then it's going to be less, they're going to be more likely to want to continue doing it. I think if you throw somebody in there, that's, you know, maybe already a little bit older, they might be a little bit more intimidated, but if you get maybe, them started young, maybe, but I just, I just don't know that there's ever a wrong time to do it. Like Good if you point. ever have the chance, uh, you know, I mean, it's just one of those places that, you just got to do it. If, you know, a um, couple things to think about. Number one would be mosquitoes, you know, and then number two would be black flies. <laughs> yeah. Those two. The harsh realities. Critters, that's the mm-hmm. one reality that can really change the experience for you. Yeah. So what do you do for it? I kill them. Yeah. <laughs> I try. Um, do you bring a head net? Yeah. Yeah. Head net. Head nets. Bug yeah. spray. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, I definitely... Even on hot days, I've got long pants on yeah. sometimes because they just go after your ankles and you just lose your mind yeah. sometimes. Um, you My know. clothes still all smell like bug spray from three weeks ago and they've gone through the wash multiple times. And I use yeah. I use like the natural stuff so it smells like citronella. Yeah. But my favorite thing other than the head net is to bring like a buff, like a, a scarf around your neck and just douse it in bug spray. And I feel like that kind of keeps them off your like head and face and stuff even if you don't have your... Your head not on, but yeah, and I've had days where they're non-existent. Yeah, oh yeah, and then there are days where they just carry you away, and it's funny because like you jump in the water and you do it, cleaning yourself off, and you, you don't even really fully dry off, and you're spraying yourself down yeah. with bug spray again. So true. That's the reality of it. Uh, don't let it scare you or your your family from doing it. If you have the chance, Boundary Waters, it's an amazing experience. It'll be a place that you'll leave and say, I cannot wait to do this again because yeah. there is so much to explore up there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we could do a whole another yes, half hour, hour on the Boundary Waters. So that was number one A for me. Go ahead. Are you doing one B or should I go <laughs> I'll my go one? next. I'll go next. After okay. you. Yeah. So my first choice is Lake of the Woods. That was my one B. I was thinking that might be your first choice. I thought we yeah. might tie for first. And, and specifically, so my experience, I've just been up there twice and both, it was just three nights. So not, you know, super long trips. And both times I went um, in Ontario, actually specifically Tamarack Island Wilderness Lodge. So yeah. it was uh, an island lodge. Um, we, you know, crossed the border in Baudette, went up to Morrison 
and then boated over to this place. And that to me, I mean, talk about pristine, beautiful, just, you know, quintessential North Woods type of feel. Lake of the Woods is definitely that. There's so much water up there, mm-hmm. so much to explore that, you know, I, I hope to get back up and try more things. But that location for me, I'd say was like one of the most formative places for me in my love of fishing in general and definitely musky fishing. Yep. I've done exclusively muskies up there. I know that there's great uh, smallmouth walleyes. You know, a lot of people where I was staying were actually up there for walleye fishing, but that's something, you know, everyone hears about Lake of the Woods. And I think I kind of, you know, grew up thinking it was more of a, a numbers area. And I think sometimes people think that, but there are huge fish up there too. And yep. lots of fish, big fish. And big fish. Yeah, yep. really big fish. And for me, it was like, Definitely a big, I think, confidence thing where it, for me when I was up there, it was probably six years ago the first time. And that's where I think I went from being, you know, uh, an angler who never really felt like I was, you know, in charge of the boat, right? I'd be with people who knew a little bit more and whatever. And then when I was up there, I felt like I got that confidence of I'm I'm choosing the next spot. You know, here's where we're going to go and kind of picking apart a pattern and things like that. So for me, that personal experience was huge. But then it's just, it's really hard to beat for when we talk musky fishing. It's hard it's, to beat Lake of the Woods. It is. It's it's a gem. It's been a gem longer than we've been alive. Mm-hmm. It will continue to be a gem because it's so massive, so big. There's a lot of, we talked on our last episode about muskies and Minnesota and the stocking program. And there are other lakes, Lake St. Clair, Green Bay. I mean, big musky destinations. But Lake of the Woods is always, has always been near the top and it's just one of those bodies of water that I'm with you. That's why yeah. I put it as it's hard to like choose between Lake of the Woods and yeah. and the Boundary Waters. So and it something, was like one. <clears throat> something too about it that I, I think is you know, I've always actually gone in like August, so really good bucktail bite, and it is one yeah. of the best lakes to get figure eight muskies. Yeah, because they can't see very well. It's not clear water, and I think almost every muskie that I've encountered and caught have all been in the figure eight. Really. And it's just, yeah, it's a blast. Yeah. Great way to practice it. And Yep. You mentioned that, um, you know, the, you get a lot of confidence going to a place like that. And some people look at it and say, it's so big. It's intimidating. And I hear that a lot about Lake Minnetonka because I yeah. you know, grew up guiding out there and take a lot of people. And they just always are intimidated by the size of it. And I was like, no. Fish anywhere. Fish <laughs> anywhere. That's the beauty of it. And like you talked about, it's a bucktail bite. Well, it's also, I guess, is a great topwater bite. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you can fish points, you can fish reefs, you can fish flats, you can fish weeds, you can fish sand. Like there are no, there's no rules. Yeah. You can't, it's like only here. No, yeah. that's the fun of it. There's so many places to go. So I have stayed on Lake of the Woods. I mean, as long as we're on this lake, we'll mm-hmm. just continue. Yeah, yeah. So I've been up there to multiple different places uh, and I like to do it myself kind of thing to figure mm-hmm. it out. So my first time ever fishing up there, and really, actually now I think about it, I've never gone with the guide up there, so I don't know what they would do different. But um, I, I've i been out of, uh, gosh, I can't think of the name of it. It was it was on, it went through the Minnesota side, and you can actually okay. boat right mm-hmm. through it if you wanted to. But I did drive through and go to it. Harris Hill Lodge, okay. that's what it's called. And it's a Cheryl and her husband, I forget his name at on top of my head right now. This was like 10 years ago, maybe longer. Anyway, I, you know, we went out and caught as many walleyes as you could handle. And then I'm like, I'm going to go see if I can catch, catch some muskies. muskies. And I couldn't keep them off the line. It was so awesome. And we just went up into the islands, um, you know, and so I've fished there, but Ballard's Black Island Lodge is another one. Uh, Wiley Point, which is part of the Totem Lodges, that's out of the front or the Sioux Narrows. So that's like an hour through, hour and a half okay. through Ontario. And then you come in and then you boat like 45 minutes into the lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite place, 
Natalie, this is my all-time favorite place to go to. It's an outpost camp in Lake of the Woods. It's called oh. the French Portage Outpost Camp. Okay. Uh, I filmed a TV show up there probably like six years ago, five or six years ago. And we went up in September. And mm. this, if you want like the ultimate cast and blast adventure, try going to the French Portage Lodge one time. Cool. It's like this little cabin. And it's sitting on an island, and you don't have all, all the mm-hmm. amenities, so it's a little bit rustic. You can sleep up to, let's see, two, four, six. It was like probably, you could probably sleep like 10 guys mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Um, they did have power there. There's not running, uh, maybe running water? I'm trying to remember. It's an outhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember if they had a shower, but it no doesn't matter. No bells and whistles, yes, just exactly. what you exactly. It's yeah. kind of rustic. Yeah. But, okay, so on the dock... You can catch, all, we caught all the walleyes we could possibly handle on the dock. So we caught our wow. our, our shore lunch right there, including northern smallmouth bass. Uh, what uh, We had like six species of fish off the dock. We went to, was we were going to go. Was it, de- was it like a drop off? Was it deep? Was it's, it shallow? It's like 15, 20 feet on yeah, the dock. Okay. There's kind of a narrow point that comes through it. And it's just wow. unbelievable fishing on the dock. We didn't leave. We had our walleye shore lunch without unhooking the boats. But you're in musky area. So we did do that. We did leave and we went after muskies. We also brought our duck decoys mm-hmm. and bird dogs. Uh, within 100 yards behind the cabin, we were covered up in grouse. Wow. And it's cool because the crown land, it, the government owns a bunch of the land up there, kind of like our public land here. They call it crown land up there. And you could pull up to any island and just start hunting. And the rough grouse up there don't know what a human yeah. is. I'm surprised you ever came back. I know. Just- I know. Exactly. <laughs> so then the next morning, we set up our duck decoys on the backside of that island. There's a bunch of rice. And we, with four guys, mm-hmm. we we shot our limit of ducks so fast that everyone was bummed that the hunt was over. Yeah. And then geese came in, too. So it's kind of one of those places where the locals up there say, we don't really like... Are we... We don't really promote the the waterfall hunting mm-hmm. because, but we know how good we've got it here, yeah. and it's one of those places where like you don't have enough hours in the day to do it all. Um, it's just an unbelievable place to go to. Just really if you've tip. got a group of buddies that you want to go on, just like a cool do it all kind of trip, put the French Portage uh, mm-hmm. Outpost Camp on your list. And I know there's some other um, outpost camps up there. It's about a 45, 50 minute boat ride in from the mainland, but you just get away Mm -hmm. and you do have amenities. You do have a cabin. You're not camping. Um, You do have a dock to tie up to. It's a nice dock. So it's not like you're pulling up on a sandy beach and you have to worry about storms. It's just, it's just got it all. That's amazing. And something to keep in mind while I'm thinking about it for probably a lot of these places, I know Tamarack, I think it's got eight or nine cabins. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of places Mm -hmm. up there are going to be similar situations and they can book up fast. I know Tamarack, at least it's, you know, there's, there's weekends available in the year, but it's a good thing to plan ahead. If you can, I'm imagining that, that, the place you were just mentioning is the same. So yeah, I will say actually, I talked to the Ballard's family not long ago, a few weeks ago, and they said that they're doing a two for one special this summer oh. because there are not getting um, a lot of the anglers to cross the border mm-hmm. because of the vaccination. Yeah. So if you are vaccinated and you can go on a fishing trip up into Canada, you can pay for one and you know split the cost yeah. with with somebody. It's a two for one and they're up in the islands as well. So there's, 
that could be a similar thing with some of the other lodges up there right now. Yeah. Now, the big lake is still amazing, too. You don't have to go into the Canadian side to fish on Lake of the Woods. Uh, big Traverse Bay is, I mean, obviously that in itself is a walleye fishing destination. There are a lot of outfitting uh, operations mm-hmm. up there. Ballard's is one of them. Um, you know, there's just a whole bunch of them on the Minnesota side that you can go to as well. Have you ever done that? No. No. Never. I know. Yeah. I feel like... I feel yeah. bad saying I've only fished the Canadian side. Yeah, the Canadian like side I'm, is, I'm a trader. is really good. You're not a trader. There's uh, a reason people go there. And when you do go there, whenever it happens, if it's this summer or next summer for whoever wants to make that happen, mm-hmm. you'll realize why it is like on everyone's list. It yeah. always is near the top of everybody's yeah. list. And it's far enough if, you know, if people are around the Twin Cities to feel like you're really getting away. But it's doable. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you can drive there. It's, you know, five and a half, six hours. So you can do it for, for a few few totally, days. So it's totally. really good balance. Yeah, and even in the winter, my family, we yeah. have a nice castle fish house. And that was our winter between Christmas and New Year's. My mm-hmm. wife and kids, like, we're going to go camping out on the ice. And they didn't have too much snow, so we could just pull it out there. And unfortunately, uh, right after Christmas, the um, blizzard hit up there. You oh, don't want to be out there yeah. during a blizzard. My yeah. wife was, at that time, eight and a half months pregnant. So we just decided not to do it. So it's... It's doable for like, uh, you know, a long weekend Yeah. from the twin cities. It's a little over six hours to to get up to the Minnesota side of Lake of the woods Mm. worth every minute of it. Love it. Yep. Okay. So we both next on the list. Okay. So I'm I'm, that's boundary waters. Number one, Lake of the woods. Number Mm. two for me. Um, what's your number two? So my number two is the Hayward area of Wisconsin. Yeah. And specifically, I'm putting up there for smallmouth fishing because that was more of a surprise for me. So a lot of people are familiar with Hayward. Muskies. you know, ton- Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the first probably, you know, I don't know, 10 times or so I went up there was four muskies. There's so many musky lakes up there. It's, you know, a ton of fun. But I have the last, of the last five years, probably three or four of them, I've gone up in like May or June for smallmouth and had an absolute blast. And I think something that was most exciting for me is I feel like oftentimes when you see those like early season smallmouth, you know, people holding up pictures of five, six pound smallmouth, it's usually on like a great lake. You're, you know, pretty far out and being able to have that experience, but in that like real Northwoods feel, um, you know, right by the, you know, green shoreline, I think is really special. And especially the water up there, that's the clear water. It feels like I'm going to out myself of one of my uh, bucket list destinations is on my list, but um, it feels almost like flats fishing in like saltwater, like in Florida, if anybody's done that. Um, yeah. Fishing for those fish in like super clear water. Um, Cause they, it's a blast. They're these, they call them footballs for they, a reason. They you know? really and you are. can see those dark things swimming around in the water when you get in those really clear yeah. lakes like that. Yeah. It's super and fun. Especially like windy days, a, a lot of the last few years that I've gone up there. And another thing too, is I actually usually have been doing it in a there and back from the twin cities. So it's good if same you can day? make same day. Yeah. I mean, it's two and a half hours. Three, it feels maybe. like it should be farther than that from the Twin Cities. Yeah, it's not too bad. Mm. I, if I can, I definitely make a weekend out of it. But if you know you only have a day, like I often do, you can you can make it there and back. But um, just had a ton of fun on like, especially I, I feel like I've always been up there on really windy days, and you know, fishing for them with jerk baits, casting basically like up to shore. You've never had a bad year. trip there. Never had a bad trip. There's been days a few years ago where I caught like two in a day, two or three. Um, Maybe a little bit more than that, but the last couple of years have caught, you know, 
So Hayward Lake's smallmouth, not muskies. Well, and muskies too. Of and course. the other thing about it too is, you know, Hayward in itself is a great place to visit. So if you're going up there, you know, with a family or with people that don't like to fish as much, or if you want to like tack on extra time, there's, you know, have you been to Hayward? Yeah. You spent time there? Yeah. yeah. Ton of fun. I've great area. I've got some muskies in Hayward yeah, okay. before. Yeah. And shot grouse up there before. Yeah. yeah it's a good area. And it I is. just think, you know, the, the town's great. There's like the um, moccasin bar has the possibly very highly debated, but possibly biggest muskie ever caught on the wall. Have you oh, seen that? Oh, the debate goes yeah. on. Yeah. It's forever. one of about 12 yes. that are <laughs> maybe, maybe not the best musk, the biggest muskie ever caught. So there's a ton of things to do in that area too. Yep. It's historic for muskie fishing yeah. as well. And that, really gets better as the summer goes along, yeah. but it's cool to have the, the smallmouth option. Yeah. And All it's, right. you know, it's a pressured area, but there's, there's a ton of lakes. What so. isn't pressured around here though? That's true. If we're being honest, what yeah. is not pressure? I have a it's gotta be better my, than the next I have, guy or gal. I have a couple down my list that are not pressured at Ooh, all. Yes. We'll exciting. get, we'll get to those. Um, now when you go to Hayward, do you have any specific lakes that you like to start out or do you want to keep that a top secret? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the, you know, round lake, is one that I've fished a few times. I grew up always hearing about Le Couture, and so I knew when I grew up, like, oh, I'm going to someday fish on Le Couture. I'll say I've not had You've not had luck? No, but I, I was out there for a couple hours years ago with some friends, and we'd never been on it before. Um, but Grindstone's great. That's super clear. I wonder if like, Le Couture just... Seems like a place to go because it has a sweet name. It has such a cool name. It has As such a kid, a cool it was name. like this exotic have, place that someday I'm going to visit. You know? When I was guiding for muskies full-time, there were a lot of clients that I had that'd be like, oh yeah, I, I fished the Couture mm -hmm. and over in Wisconsin. And I was like, how'd it go? And they go, terrible. Didn't catch anything. It was awful. Four days. We saw two huh. fish. And I'm like, gosh. And then I hear this from the next person yeah. too. I'm like, so is this just not a very good yeah. lake? Like, it's a sweet name. But. I've never had, yeah. But I've only, I've spent almost no time there, but... All right, all right. So you kind of think it's a good area, but don't, it's not. Well, there's there's better lakes. There's <laughs> okay. better lakes. I, I like okay. ground. I like grindstone. All right, moving yeah. along. My number three. I'm going the other direction from the Twin Cities, way out in North Dakota, mm. Lake Sakakawea. Lake Sakakawea is part of the Missouri River. Uh, it's a reservoir. And just like Lake Oahe in uh, South Dakota, Lake Sakakawea is... One of the most unbelievable, overlooked fisheries in America. And right now, today, it is so plump full of giant walleyes. Mm. And that's kind of what people know for it or know about it. But the smallmouth bass fishing in Lake Sakakawea is world class. I was out there a few years ago and we were trying to film. Uh, it, this was in the fall. And we were trying to film... Part of the adventure was we were we were pheasant hunting because the Army Corps of Engineers owned the land around Lake Sakakawea. And up to a certain point, if you have an Onyx map, you can see where the boundaries are. Great hunting. But the walleye fishing is so phenomenal, too. Um, so we were still in Blaze Orange, pulled up, we got some pheasants, and we're like, all right, let's do the walleye part. And we... Depending on where we were at, we had to leave spots because the smallmouth bass would not, you couldn't make a cast without catching Wow. Them. And I'm not talking like a, a one or two pounder. I mean, four, five pounders were common. It was like- What time of year did you, did you this say? This was in the fall. Okay. It was in October when we were doing it. But I was just talking to a friend that uh, works for North Dakota Tourism. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know what? We, um, everyone seems to come out here for the walleye fishing. But he's like, I think 
that it might be the best smallmouth fishery in the Midwest. And it would rival Malax. And, and I go, I, it's funny you say that because my last experience there was just like, why aren't people here fishing mm-hmm. for it? It's a giant, giant uh, reservoir. You, When we were there in October, we didn't see another boat. Wow. Uh, we didn't see another boat. Get my notebook out yes. and write this one I'm down. I'm telling you, this is a destination that most people are not mm-hmm. talking about and they should be. Now, there's some walleye tours that go out there and walleye tournaments that are really showing just like how unbelievable this resource is. But they have these, you know, they're smelt. Um, and, and so the forage is a little bit different than what a lot of people traditionally are used to. When I fished it, I put on a wrap of a jigging wrap and, you know, we were in like 60 feet of water and you chuck a jigging wrap and it's mm-hmm. heavy and you could throw it into like 10 feet of water. Mm-hmm. You rip it and it goes flying down this, this break and it doesn't make it back to the boat. It never made wow. it back. It was either a walleye, a smallmouth bass, white bass. Um, I'm going to go back this fall because the salmon run in the end of October and mm-hmm. early November is supposed to be just unbelievable. Um, but I've seen what that lake is like yeah. that time of the year. I would put that like, I just, it's just an unbelievable resource. I have a buddy that lives right next to the lake and every day he's out there. I talked to him this morning on the way in and he goes, yeah, I was out yesterday. And I go, how was he? he goes, I don't know. We caught like 50 walleyes and you know, they, it's, that's wow. just the norm. The thing is there's, it's, they must get so spoiled. People I like told him that. Like, I told, told him, you, go, you have no rails. idea how good yeah. you have. He goes, I know everybody tells yeah. me that. Uh, you know, there's just, it's not a large population of people that live yeah. around it. So it, it doesn't see the pressure that a, a lake of 3000 acres here in Minnesota would see. Mm-hmm. And yet it's however many hundreds of thousands, I forget how many it is. And it fluctuates based on rainfall, moisture, you know, they raise and lower it. The army Corps manages the, the lake, just like the, or the whole, um, Missouri river system, but it is world-class. Yeah. If you, if you've ever heard of it maybe from somebody and now you're hearing me talk about it again, consider this as you're I'm pushing you over the ledge to do it. No excuses. No excuses. Is you it, will, so you will not... come back and you're going to be like, and if you want to catch giant Northern Pike, mm-hmm. oh yeah, they've got that. Wow. If you want Lake Trout, oh yeah, they've got that. They I mean, need to hire you. I'm ready to go. Know, I'm booking my trip. Yes. Um, is it, so I'm not familiar with that area at all. Is it an easy place to get? Are there, you know, places to stay, lodges, Yeah, town, it's a freeway. Like okay. <laughs> Just take a freeway through North Dakota. It's I'm not about, seeing any downside okay, here. Well, it's a long drive. Yeah. So sure. from the Twin Cities, I'm going to say eight hours. Okay. And it's a commitment. You're, you're there eight or nine. So, yep, it's a commitment. But, you know, sometimes if you're going to drive five or six hours to get somewhere, the yeah. extra two or three yeah, hours is true. just like, you know, like we just talked about Lake of the Woods. We could have said Lac Sewell. Mm-hmm. Go another two hours north of that mm-hmm. and you're even more remote. The mo- further away you get from people, the better the outdoor opportunities tend yeah. to get because of the fact that we can deplete a resource. Yeah. We have an mm-hmm. impact on it. And when we don't have as much of an impact on it, we can, uh, you can experience something amazing. Cool. Yeah. Excited about that one. You're up. All right. Uh, so sticking regionally, then I will go with my next one. Okay. Something really close to home. Very easily overlooked by a lot of people, even that live where we are in the Twin Cities. And that is the Minneapolis chain of lakes. So yeah. this is one for people that maybe are in or around the Twin Cities that maybe don't have any open weekends this summer, or, you know, think that they can't get out of town. I can't tell you how many people I know that are from 
right where we are in the Twin Cities that never fish those lakes. Obviously, they're so Minneapolis Chain of Lakes. It's going to be, uh, you know, Harriet, Lake of the Isles, Calhoun. Harriet, Calhoun, which is now Bidet, Makaska, yeah, something, right. um, Cedar Lake, Brownie. So those areas right in Minneapolis and. And to me, again, it's not, you know, a travel destination. The fishing isn't going to be up to par necessarily with a lot of the places that we've talked about already, but there are really good fish in those lakes. There's, you know, people everywhere, but to me, you know, there's, there's good largemouth bass, there's pike. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's really good muskies in, in some of those lakes. And, you know, I'll say there's, there's been a few times where I've hoisted a muskie you know, into my kayak with well, okay, a view of a skyline in the back. Pick one then. If Ooh. you could just pick one of those lakes for a day. Um, so my favorite of those, honestly, to fish is probably Lake of the Isles. And it's because it's really easy to fish from shore. If you can get out in like a kayak, some mo- these lakes have motor restrictions. Um, but if you can get out in a kayak, it's great. You know, all the little islands in there that's just stacked up with bass and pike and stuff. But I love going out for hour and a half in the morning at sunrise, especially like this time of year, it's really good for top water fishing. Um, hollow body frogs, you know, you can, you can catch really good. That's your jam, isn't it? it really is. Yeah. yeah. I could just like stick with that every day. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it's a ton of fun. And again, when we talk about things that are, you know, accessible to more people, it's really hard to beat Minneapolis chain of lakes. You know, you can, you know, take, there's, you know, some public transportation, there's easy parking nearby. You can just walk right on Is shore. there though? Cause that's why we yeah. hang up with it. Yeah. There's parking, especially Lake of the Isles. You know, you can find, there's some like, p- there's some pay to park lots around like Harriet and other places, but, um, there's street parking too, especially if you go early in the morning. So I love them. And I think, yeah, there's a lot of people that I know that are like, Oh, I want to go fishing, but I don't have time to, you know, drive two hours North. And I'm like, you don't need to, you don't, you don't- even need to go, you know, do, you know, Lake of Minnetonka and things like that. If so in it's Twin interesting. Cities. I just said, you know, like, Lake Sakakawea, the, the population is very low there. Mm-hmm. It's a polar opposite population yeah. here. But because of the motor restrictions, mm-hmm. it doesn't get fished like a Lake Minnetonka would. Exactly. Where it just gets hammered by people in tournaments every third day or second day or whatever. Um, you know, but yeah. I, I think that is a great lake. I've fished Calhoun or... Dang it. Makaska, but yes, I okay. think. Yeah. The largemouth bass are yeah. huge oh, in yeah. that lake. Yeah. I mean, it is. There's <laughs> some bass fishermen that are probably, if they heard this, they'd be like, shut up. To be honest, I'm holding back a little bit. Ah, on this knock I'm- it off, <laughs> Natalie. Come on. Because, yeah, yeah. No, there's right. some special fish in those lakes. There are huge so, fish in that lake. And big yeah. walleyes in there, too. Yeah. Yep. It's very, very overlooked by the million people surrounding For sure. it. <laughs> yes. And if you're not from the Twin Cities and you want to have yourself a nice, you know, city weekend and do city stuff, go to museum, whatnot, and you want to, you know, pencil some fishing into that too. Mm-hmm. It's it. probably a lot easier for a kayak. I, I find yeah. my, my, my hang up with going there more often is I just trying to figure out a trailer parking space. Yeah, yeah, that's, for sure. That's the hard part. Yeah, because there's good launches on Bidet, Makaska and uh-huh. Harriet. Well, Harriet's got the lot that I think that there's trailer parking. You have to pay for it though. Yeah. Right by the band shell. All right. Keep, okay, we're, we're, we're going to keep rolling here. Malax, you just mm. it's just an incredible fishery, an hour and a half from the Twin Cities. It's a place that people come from all over the country to experience the smallmouth bass fishing. I uh, used to guide up there when I was in high school and college. I just love it because, yes, it's a big lake, and yes, the wind can kick your butt out there, but... If you find the smallmouth bass or the walleyes, and there's so many ways to catch them, even though the walleye limits and, you know, the season closures and the way they're trying to manage it can be a little bit tough to wrap your head around. 
the fish are there. They're aggressive. It's fun to fish. And um, on top of that, I would spend the whole month of November mm. fishing muskies up there uh, because it's one thing to catch a 50-inch muskie. There's another thing to catch a 50-pound yeah. muskie. Yeah, they and, get wide. Yeah, they get they're huge fish up there. The muskies in that lake eat the tulipy, and in November, the tulipy move in on the shallow rocks to spawn. So you have a window throughout the season where those giant muskies that only roam out in the middle of that huge abyss eating roaming tulipy that don't relate to structure at any mm. time of the year other than, you know, uh, early November. And if I were to pick, I always would tell people they would fly in and I would say your best, my experience is the best muskie uh, chance at a state record. It was always November 4th through the 15th. Mm. And it just, it just seemed like bundle it, up. you bundled up. There were days where we couldn't warmers. get out and fish where I wanted to yeah. because it would be too cold. The waves would crash over the front of the yeah. boat and that would turn to ice. And there have been people that have died out there in November because yeah. they fell out of the boat. And, and if there's anything slippery, nope, you can't go in the front of my boat. That's yeah. off limits now. Um, it's one so, of those things you don't want to, and I always say this about kayak fishing too, especially when it gets late in the year like that, like just don't go alone. Go with a group of people, yeah. you know, you're on a life jacket, I, even if you're fishing out of a boat, you know, it was probably like 12 or 13 years ago. I was out there with a couple guys from New York and uh, we, we heard about a boat that was about three miles from us that was found just mm-hmm. up, washed up on shore. And the guy was out there and then there were helicopters flying. He was fishing solo. Yeah. Something happened, slipped, went in. You're wearing a lot of layers yeah. and you can't get yourself back out. The boat's drifting with the wind. It's just a bad deal. So yeah, if you if you can go with the friend. But um, this you know time of the year, in, you just talked about the, the city lakes, roughly an hour and a half, depending on which part of the metro you're in. Um, but I do day trips up to Mille Lacs all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. It's a great fishery. Uh, I love it for all of those reasons. And even if the wind is blowing, you can still kind of find a way, you know, yeah. like the, all sides of the lake are good. So everyone says, well, which, where, where do you like to go? And it depends on the wind. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got GPS I've, coordinates I've on every corner. I've had my butt kicked by wind out there <laughs> yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but we caught great fish. So, so it was worth it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, next one I'm going to go with is kind of a, you know, wherever we are, four or five A and B. I'll, I'll go with the first one. And that's going to be Vilas County, Wisconsin. Okay. Have you been up there? Uh, I can't say that I have. So when I, I lived in Chicago for a number of years and that's actually where I always went. So weekends and it, it was a hike from Chicago. It was, you know, five hours or so, but I think it's, it's similar from the twin cities. Um, I think roughly in that five hour range, but there's a handful of lakes up there and it's got a really fun, cool history. Similar thing. If you've got some people that aren't fishing or if you want to, you know, take a break, there's a lot of fun things to do in that area too. Um, so I fished a lot, Manitouish waters, turtle flambeau flowage, um, Presque Isle, I think is in technically in Vilas County. Um, and I fished it like kind of all year long from, you know, early season in June through sucker fishing, you know, late in the fall. Um, again, musky destination, more musky than anything. destination. Yes. Thank you for, um, in my experience, I, when I was fishing there, that's all I was fishing for at the time. I I think I'd caught like two bass in my life. And that was your it. Horizons a little I know, bit I know. I'm working on it slowly. Yeah. Um, just wait till we talk about saltwater stuff on a future oh, episode. Okay, but okay. no, so that's a really fun area. Um, and a little tidbit if you're going up there. So I mentioned some of the lakes, um, but there, yeah, there's a lot up there. Um, definitely a lot of you know people travel in um, to to visit there. But 
There is a a non-fishing related tidbit. Let me make sure I get the name of the town right. I think it's in Manitouish waters. Have you heard of Little Bohemia? Yeah. Have you heard of this restaurant yeah. or lodge? Yeah. Okay. So that was always my favorite and place. And restaurant. And restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So if you go up there, musky fishing's very good and you got to stop at Little Bohemia. It is a lodge and restaurant that has a very rich history of, you know, old Chicago gangsters from like the roaring twenties going up there. Have you seen the movie Public Enemies or Public Enemy? The Johnny Depp, John Dillinger one? Uh, I don't think I have. I think they filmed part of it there, but long story short, John Dillinger, you know, famous Chicago yeah. mobster, yeah. Uh, had a shootout in that building, and I think it was like 1929, 1930 or so, and in the building, there's literally still like bullet holes in the come side. On, yeah, there's like memorabilia. On. There's an old Brand car. Brandon's not buying it. Uh, Johnny Depp it. went there. <laughs> I am buying it. I'm buying it. You I know what I love? It. I love about... So, I... Growing up, there was this marina on Lake Wakoni where I, I fish as a kid and I got to know a lot of the old timers that would drink coffee there and they would tell all these stories and I swear everywhere you go they're always like oh yeah the Al Capone and his mobsters would come out here and you know there's an island on Lake Waconia Mm -hmm. and there used to be a hotel out there and they had bars and there was when prohibition and they talk about like the caves in St. Paul oh yes everybody has stories about glorify that lifestyle but it's pretty cool today to go and look at some yes yes anyway I I love it when I hear those stories and it makes me wonder did Al Capone visit every single lake? I think so. I think, <laughs> I think so. he might have. He's been yeah. everywhere. It's Literally a good place everywhere. to hide things. Yes. That's true. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Cool. But anyway, so, so go for the musky fishing. Stay for the- uh, History. The history. Cool. Yeah, Vilas County. Very cool. I'm going to go again across the border the other way. I'm going to go to South Dakota, the Glacial Lakes region of South mm. Dakota. Have you ever fished no, out there? No, I haven't. It is yeah. really, Brandon's giving it a thumbs up. What's your I've experience heard about there? It. It's, it's beautiful out there. I've just traveled through there several times. I've gone camping out that way as well. It's just awesome. It's mm-hmm. really cool out there. A lot of my experience has been during the winter mm. season out there. The fishing is fantastic. Again, the population is not nearly what it is here in the Twin Cities metro area in surrounding areas, um, but a lot of people drive over there because the fishing is outstanding. Walleyes, mm-hmm. perch. Uh, we haven't talked about perch much. Yeah, perch, jumbo perch, That's that's become hot the last 10 years, along with a bunch of potholes up in North Dakota too. I mean, it kind of, it's in the northeast corner of South Dakota. So from the metro of Minnesota, when I, I've not done, I think I've done a day trip out there, but it's, I usually think of it as just over three hours mm-hmm. to get there. Um, but pan fishing is excellent as well. And that's kind of, they're fertile lakes. They go through these cycles, but they cycle really, 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 really fast because of the jumbo, um, shrimp Mm. or wait, they say that freshwater shrimp. I'm thinking jumbo perch, freshwater. So the freshwater shrimp is the forage in those systems that create huge fish and they grow Mm. super fast. So all the pan fish grow really quickly. Um, interestingly enough, um, is a little probably more information than most people want to know, but a lot of times there'll be these hot bites on these lakes and uh, there'll be just hundreds of people going there. And then the next year they can't catch a perch. They're, they're going there for the jumbo perch. Mm-hmm. So a DNR biologist told me that the perch cycle out there in five year windows. And typically if you get a high water year, they come up into the shallows and the brush on the shoreline is where they lay their eggs. And that's how they spawn the perch do. So after a high water year, which hint, hint, 
two years ago, mm-hmm. high water. Mm-hmm. Be thinking about this for your future plans because in the next two and three years, some of those lakes out there are going to peak again, probably wow. with an incredible jumbo perch bite. And you're talking huge perch like we don't have in most lakes here in Minnesota or Wisconsin. Um, it's an amazing fishery, big northern pike. The walleye fishing is outstanding. It's mm-hmm. cool. You're out on the prairie. And it's a little bit different. We think of a yeah. lot of our lakes here, you know, and them being, you know, up in the North Woods. It's just different that way. And when you go there, you're like, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. There are some family-friendly resorts out there. Uh, because it's become such a popular fishing destination in the last 10 years, it's, there's more opportunities out there resort-wise. Uh, Sounds worth like a looking great place into. for kids to fish, too. It is. Yeah, the waters are clear and clean. It, mm-hmm. It's just cool. It's a cool place to go. You're up. I love it. Well... I can keep rifling off some. Do we want to go to some of our listener input? We don't have time for listeners right now because there's so much. There's so much. Let's rifle. Okay, let's rifle through. Let me just kind of list off a couple others. But then, so we did put on put on Instagram asking for you know Mm -hmm. people's favorites, and we got a lot of good. I almost feel like we need to come back because I have some that I want to dig into, Natalie. Yeah. Uh, We're on a time limit today. We're less than ten minutes left in the show. I have a couple that I think could take almost ten minutes. But if you want to find a place that's way off the grid, it's worth it. So do we want to, do we want to have next week's episode be part two of this? I think we need to. On-air yeah. production meeting. Brandon. Yes. Part two is in order. Yeah. Part two is in order yep. because I only got through half We're of my in. list and we yeah. have like 20 uh, viewer submissions as well on top yeah. of it. Um, let's each do one more. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll do my one... B or no six B wherever we were from the last one really nearby Vilas County. If you're headed up that direction, you can make a pit stop in Oneida County. I think okay. I'm saying that right. So it's another northern Wisconsin. I feel like I, I need more Minnesota choices. I, I keep going to Canada like and Wisconsin. I know. There. Yeah. What the heck? I know. At least I did the Minneapolis Chain of Lakes. You know. Yeah. But um. Okay. So Oneida County, Wisconsin. So Ryan Lander. You heard of Ryan Lander? Yeah. Home Hoday Country. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. yes. Have you ever yeah. been? To, oh, Brandon. Hoday. Have you ever been to Hoday Country? Have, but have you seen no. the Hoday? Yes, it's You've this mythical it. creature yeah. that has like horns coming Horn, out. Well, it's debated. Like some people, it's green. Some people, it kind of looks like a bear. It kind of depends. Yeah. But it, we know it definitely exists yes. for sure. It's up there. But no, there's some little like uh, you know sculptures and stuff. But in addition to the hodag, there's also some good musky fishing up there. Um, Bearskin Lake. I feel like I'm you know. I have mixed feelings about giving away specific lakes, but it's a really good lake up there. Um, I think it's actually like 20 minutes or so outside of Rhinelander, but um, I've had some great experience fishing up there. Some, you know, sucker fishing late in the fall. It's great for that. I caught my first ever figure eight muskie on Bearskin Lake in, I think it was August, eight years ago or something like that. Um, So that's a great area. And it's also, you know, Tons to do in the area as well. Um, Rhinelander's a, a cool little town, so. It is a cool little town. Yeah, yeah when you're in Hodeg country, like, they're all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> takes it. I remember yeah. the first time I went there, I was, was like, I don't remember who it was. It was a wedding that we were going to, and this one guy kept saying, you know where you are? You're in Hodeg country. It. So, like, I, it's Such seared pride. into my brain. Yes. Yeah. I will do one, one yeah. more myself. And this is going, ow, oh, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick. Shoe Pack Lake. Yay! I'm so excited you're doing this one. Yes. Have you been? Yeah. Okay, because I haven't been and I wanted to speak to it. So this is why I say we need to do another part because there's a lot to get into this. 
Now, this is a lake that um, the history behind it, Shupak Lake, which I know you like it because it's a musky lake and it's landlocked. And it has its own strain of muskies, the Shupak strain of muskies. So when the DNR started stocking Minnesota's lakes back in the 80s, for the most part, they, they took a Leech Lake strain, Shupak Lake strain, and Mississippi River strain. I believe those are the three. And they were trying to figure out what grows best and where. Mm-hmm. And they found the Shupak Lake strain. I think there was also a Wisconsin strain, too. But anyway, they... they um, they stocked a bunch of lakes with the shoe pack strain and they realized that they didn't grow as fast and they didn't grow as big. And of course we as musky hunters want the biggest mm-hmm. fish that grow the fastest. And, um, but they are super aggressive in this lake. And if you and ever, plentiful. yeah, I mean, I caught like three or four muskies in five casts at one point. Oh it was ridiculous. I mean, and I don't the, think I've ever heard those words in a sentence together. Yeah. Three or four muskies on five casts. Well, it's, I mean, it's a place that is extremely doable. I went up there uh, with a guy. He's like, I want to catch one on the fly rod. Done. Consider it done. And it doesn't matter. I mean, there's a certain, uh, certain mentality to that fish that I figured out. Not saying that they wouldn't eat any of your standard musky um, tackle uh, presentations. They would, but you're talking fish that generally top out at the high 30, you know, low 40 inch mm-hmm. range. Um, but very aggressive, a lot of fun. I found, and there's a Meps musky killer bucktail mm-hmm. with the willow leaf. So there's something that I've learned over the years about, I'm getting really into the weeds here right now, but Northern Pike muskies, um, they, they have a, like an, something attracts them differently. Northern Pike have always found that a willow leaf blade on a bucktail or a spinnerbait you tend to get more fish, northern pike, to eat that than a Colorado blade. Hmm. It just, if I'm really targeting northern, the willow blade. Okay, so if you go after tiger muskies specifically, they've got a lot of those tendencies. So I found that, you know, like the standard cowgirl, which is a lot of people use, or, uh, you know, different variations of the Colorado blades, smaller sizes, eights, tens, sixes, whatever. Um, But the willow leaf seems to be better. I found that the the shoe pack strain of muskie, really favored that so uh the willow blade and then i just brought my bass a couple of bass Mm -hmm. rods and on uh bait casters and then you have a really fun battle yeah i mean it's like uh i mean it's still a muskie it's still aggressive they still go out to the figure eight um you know and there's a lot of them but this is why it's unique and this is why it doesn't get fished very hard is because you have to work your butt Mm -hmm. off to get there so isn't there like one single access too yeah there's one access point that gets you there you have to get a permit for the campsite. There's one campsite on the lake and there's a system to get in. So you got to go through Lake Cabotogama. There's a drop-off point. So somebody has to take you to this drop-off mm-hmm. point. You have two keys, okay? And you get to this drop-off point and it's a trail and it is a marked trail, but it's a deer trail, not okay. wider than a deer trail, very narrow. And it's about a mile into the first uh, point where you use your first key. Because there you will get a key that unlocks uh, a bin that has paddles. And there's is there like also, a treasure map that comes with is. this? Yes, like, this exactly. Is amazing. It's amazing. It is so cool. So then you get the key to unlock this bin. And then it unlocks another key that is chained up to the canoe. You got two paddles yeah. and now you have a canoe. You take that across Little Shoe Pack Lake. 
and you paddle across. Then you go through this marshy area and you find another deer trail and it takes you like another quarter mile or a half mile and you get another key and that unlocks the padlock for the John boat that's okay. waiting there with oars. So you got an yeah. oar boat, no motor. It's a, it's like a, I want to say it's a 14 foot okay. John boat, so you flat can bring, bottom boat. You know, plenty of yeah. So I did backpack, a backpack okay. with camping supplies um, and then one tackle box and a fishing pole. And it's an adventure to get in there. It's super cool. It doesn't get fished very much. Um, you know, but we, I want to say like we got in there after a few hours and we fished for like three or four hours and we caught like 20 muskies or something wow. like that. We set up camp. Um, how does and, somebody go about reserving this? You can just you can Google just it? Uh, Google it. Okay. Yeah, and you have to go through, I, I don't know if it's Voyagers National Park, it's something like that. It might be Voyagers okay. that you have to get the permit through, um, and that's how you get the keys that open up these. Because you're not going to carry a canoe through yeah. a mile and a half of forest. You, yeah. There's one there, and you it's there when you come back, and you lock it back up, and there's kind of like your list. Of, it's so cool. That's amazing. It's so cool. And the that's, DNR found That's a it. unique it is. Experience it is. Sure. It's do it once in your life. If you're, if you know, like you love musky fishing, I love it too. A lot of people do, but you don't have to love musky fishing mm -hmm. to go on that kind of adventure. It's similar to like a Boundary Waters experience because it's so remote. There's a lot of, it's just rewarding. Some people that go up to Cab, Cabotogama, they'll do it as a day trip in and you can totally do that. You don't have to camp. We camped. There's one island in the middle of it. It's beautiful. You wake up and you're looking at it. I mean, it's just like there were blueberries all around. We ate all the blueberries we could handle. And wow. we were one with the bears. And we, wow. you know, we brought some of our own food to cook up there. Um, anyway, it's, it's just truly amazing. So that's really halfway through my list right now, Natalie. Yeah, I've got plenty through. more as well. We and could probably talk for days. We, we could talk for days about these places. But I think we're hopeful that we can give you some ideas on places to go because we've been fortunate to experience them. Uh, most of these that we have mentioned are going to give you memories that you're going to be glad you, you went there. Sure. Bring your kids, take them along, uh, show them these kind of places that mm. they exist. And when they get older, they're going to want to bring you along, <laughs> you yes. know, and you're going to have memories that you're just going to cherish. We'll be back with part two yep. of unbelievable fishing destinations that we're blessed with right here in our back door in the Midwest. You got more homework, add a couple more to your list. I'll do the same. And then we got a bunch of viewer uh, topics as well that we'll get to on next week's show. Uh, well, we're out. Natalie, well done. Thanks as always. We'll catch you next blast. time on the next episode of Do North Outdoors Podcast. <laughs>